Teenagers don't have to be angry or disconnected, but many of them are. And of course, we can speculate on why they are this way. I think it would be more helpful, at least in this podcast, to give some practical advice on how to change that would be appropriate. And so this podcast is for that teenager who is looking for help to change their thinking, to change their behaving, and I hope, praise God, to to change their life trajectory. I used to be one of those directionless, frustrated teenagers, and there were some things that I learned over many years that turned out to be, well, proven that they can bring change to your life, and I want to share at least seven of those things with you in this podcast. Welcome to the Your Daily Drive podcast. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for being here. The title of the podcast is Seven Things That Will Bring Change to Any Angry Teen's Life. In the last article and the last podcast that I did, in fact, it's linked inside of this one, I talked about several things that parents can do to help their children change. And I really focused hard and directly on parents and their responsibility, what they can do. Now it's time to bring some insight to the rebellious teenager, the directionless teenager, the frustrated teenager, the hurting teenager. There is excellent news here for anyone Not just a frustrated teenager. In fact, as you listen to this podcast, adult or any other person, you will realize, wow, those things apply to me too. Very good. Maybe in May, the Spirit of God work in your heart. He can go where no man has gone before. He can address our hearts. He works from the inside out. It's an inside operation. And so as you listen to these seven things that will bring change to any angry teen's life, perhaps they are for you too, because these truths are transcendent and transformative because they are sourced in the power of the gospel, and the gospel can change anyone. Despite your shaping influences, whatever they may be, or the circumstances that have been in your life, what you don't want to do is to fall into that common trap that tends to ensnare too many teenagers who did not get what they wanted from their parents, and we can we can look, be so fixated on on those things that we miss the things that God wants to teach us and to help us so that we can change. I want to share a few of those snares, seven of them, seven traps, and I hope that these words will make their way into the hearts of a few struggling teenagers. Now, initially, what I have to say will be hard to listen to because the hurt is that significant. And so I'm not going to minimize anything, any frustration, any hurt, any victimization that has happened to you. I'm not going to make that small at all. But whenever you go to the doctor and you have an acute pain, typically the solutions are are painful as well. I think back to when I was an angry, victimized teenager who was living out rebellion. My anger was real. But there was another story. I was hurting. In addition to my anger, inside there was a lot of pain, and I wanted someone to help me. And so if you are a struggling teenager, you have help here. You can let down your guard. We are here 
for you. And so if you want to read what I'm sharing with you, I want you to do that. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. You can read it at your own leisure. You can print it off if you wish, or just take the URL, send it to yourself, bookmark it, send it to a friend. It's titled Seven Things That Will Bring Change to Any Angry Teen's Life. Here's number one, you are a victim. People can bounce from one extreme to the other when thinking about a victim. And that's typically where you find people in one ditch or another. You're not a victim, get over yourself. Or you are a victim and I am entitled. Well, the truth is everyone is a victim to some degree. To say that you have never experienced disappointment or hurt from someone, it's either dishonest or over-spiritualization or a person who is just out of touch with reality. You are a victim. There is a reason we call this world a fallen one. Everyone is imperfect, and the outcome is that we hurt people. And so we have been hurt, and we hurt. You want to make sure that you don't swing too far in either direction. If you play the victim card too vigorously, you will manipulate others. And there are a lot of those victims out there, and they do manipulate And some of them do so unwittingly. But if you keep doing it, if you keep manipulating people because you are legitimately a a victim, though you're doing it unwittingly in the beginning, you could come to enjoy that kind of power that you have other uh, that you have over people but you also don't want to pretend that everything is okay it's not that's the other ditch some people other people have hurt you don't react to your hurts by playing the victim and you don't ignore the truth as, as though it doesn't matter. The tough guy approach is merely a facade that reveals a hurting little person inside of you. And so seven things that can bring change to any angry teen's life. Number one, you are a victim. If you go to the call to action at the bottom of this article, and I I don't know if I'll have time to get into it because of the preset length of our podcast, but they're here for you. I have some I have questions about each one of these seven things that I'm sharing with you. And so I want you to read the question about this one, about you are a victim, and I want you to respond to it. Number two, you are normal. The more you talk about what happened to you in humble ways, the more you'll realize how normal you are, typical, ordinary regular. I'm not downgrading your pain. I'm not. That's not not who I am. But I'm saying that everyone has had a similar experience. There are different severities, yes, but conceptually speaking, we all have experienced many disappointments within relationship structures. It's not unusual for a teenager to think that they are different from everyone else, which will create a sense of insecurity, feelings of fear or inferiority, shame, guilt. They will crop up in your mind, hoping to establish strongholds inside of you. When this happens, 
you will want to overcompensate by creating another version of yourself for public display. That's what inferiority and insecurity does. You hide that inner person, that shameful person, guilty person, inferior person. You tuck him away inside your soul and you create another version of yourself for public display, your PR person, public representative. It's hard to live one life. But when you create a public persona that is drastically different from the hidden person of the heart, you will bury yourself under the weight of this added pressure. Eventually, you'll start looking for escapes because you can't live in this duality without escaping every now and then to give yourself a break from carrying the weight of a double life. And so, number two, you are normal. Number three, your greater need Humility is the secret sauce that will put you on an entirely different course. The obstacle is becoming to becoming humble, to becoming a humble soul, is an angry attitude that a person feels with entitlement. It's one thing to have an angry attitude. Think of an angry attitude in this context like a bucket or a cup, and you feel that angry attitude with a sense of entitlement. Whoa. You don't want to do that because that is a true, genuine obstacle to a humble life. When you mix legitimate hurt with anger, you do feel entitled, and it will obliterate any possibility for humility to take root in the heart. James 4, 6 is the classic verse about the differences between pride and humility. If you're not familiar with it, you want to memorize it. It's really short. It's just two sentences. It says, God gives more grace. First sentence. Second sentence, therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you're proud, God is in opposition to you. If you're humble, it's like a fan that is blowing from behind you and is moving you forward. It empowers you to move forward in a grace-filled way. As hard as it is to lower your guard and humble yourself about what has happened to you, it's a far better choice than holding on to your anger. Ultimately, the battle in your, in your soul is between you and the Lord. He is asking you to let Him to be the authority in your life. In human warfare, we have a problem with your parents or having a problem with someone else, we can become so horizontally fixated on what is happening that we forget the vertical battle. God is sovereign, and what has happened in your life did not come to pass without his permittance and oversight. Now, perhaps this perspective angers you, which only speaks to your thoughts about the Lord. If anger is what comes out of you when you think about God's sovereign care, Permittance and oversight in your life, it reveals your relationship with the Lord. If God's sovereign rule over you does not humble you, maybe you want to make that problem your starting place to work through your issues. Point number one is you are a victim. Number two, you are normal. Number three, your greatest need is humility. Number four, change your habits. As you ponder your relationship with God and how he's working in your life, you want to consider your habits. The first things that I was talking about is your internal issues, your soul, soul trouble, what's going on inside of you. 
But you, you want to be comprehensive in your change, and so you also want to change your habits. The change process is comprehensive. It's an inside-outside operation, simultaneous to asking the Lord to change you internally. Examine what you're doing habitually. What are some of the things in your life that do not help you to mature in Christ? The temptation for many teens is to isolate themselves behind walls of videos or gaming or social media. If these things are temptations for you, start the process of limiting the control that they have over you. I'm talking about changing your habits. I'm not saying those things are evil. I'm not saying they're sinful. But if they keep you from maturing, then they they are wrong for you. Social media is not evil, neither is gaming or videos. But if they keep you from being who you should be to God, in God's world, then, well, they are sin. And so you want to consider the replacement principle. Everything you take out of your life, everything that you limit, you want to replace it with something better. You can think of it as the difference between being self-centered and other-centered. Instead of instead of spending hours on YouTube, of course, unless you're watching our videos, and then you want to spend hours on YouTube. But if you're just wasting, binging on YouTube, and moving from self-centered to other-centered, well, then perhaps you could do you could find someone to serve rather than serving yourself. You can serve someone else. Point number four: change your habits. Number five: change your friends. You're changing your heart. You're changing your habits, and now you want to look at your friend list. Do they spur you on? through love and good deeds. Listen to Hebrews 10, 24-25, and let us consider. I want you to consider. I want you to take a magnifying glass, and I want you to hover it over all of your friends one by one. I want you to consider. He, the writer here says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I want you to consider your friend list. We surround ourselves with things we like, and those things influence us. Bad companions will corrupt you. Here's another verse that you can memorize. I mentioned James 4, 6 earlier because it was two sentences, but a very short verse. Well, here's a shorter verse. It's only one sentence. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Paul said, Do not be deceived Bad company ruins good morals. In what ways do your friends affect you? After I got out of jail at 15 years old, I walked away from all my bad friends. They were not good friends. They supplied me with alcohol, drugs, and other things that were taking me down. In this case, down to the jailhouse. I made a decision that was, honestly, it was not hard. I weighed where I was, and I weighed where I was heading, and I decided that was enough. It was enough. I was not going to walk down that road with those friends any longer. If the Lord gives you this kind of clarity, don't refuse it. Walk away from bad influences. It, 
Walking away from bad influences is not hard. If the result of those relationships is more painful than leaving them. And so you have to weigh which is more difficult, hanging with bad people that are taking you to bad places, doing bad things, or is it more difficult to walk away from them? Time in jail was harder on me than moving on from my past activities and associations. I never regretted that decision. Even then, I'm not lying. I never regretted that decision, and you won't either. So number five, change your friends. Number six, what do you want to do? What is it that you want to do with your life? Most everyone senses a purpose in their lives. We believe that there is something more to life than sleeping, eating, working, sleeping, repeat. We feel eternity in our souls, as though God created us for something bigger than the mundane. Sadly, the fallenness that encompasses us tempts us to lose that transcendent focus. We dial in on the distractions and the disappointments, and we never reorient to the higher call for living on this sublunary soil. We can focus so much on the micro that we miss the grander picture of the macro. I lived in that duality of disappointment and lack of vision. Earlier I talked about when you feel anger, anger, when you fill it up with entitlement. That's a duality that you don't want to do. I also talked about the duality of the double life where you have this inward person. Maybe I should do a podcast on these dualities where you have anger and entitlement mixed together or where you have this inferiority complex and so you create a a alternate persona, public persona. That's a duality. Well, here's another duality disappointment, and a lack of vision. It took decades for me to gain focus. You don't have to be like me. And so I'm the old guy who's not saying do it the way I did it. I'm the old guy saying don't do it the way I did it. You don't have to be like me. Do you believe there is a purpose for your life? What is it? Do you know now, I don't want to put pressure on, excuse me, I don't want to put pressure on you either. You know, it's, it's the graduating high schooler that gets the question over and over and over again. What do you want to do with your life? I don't have a clue, Mr. 50-year-old. Do you know what you want to do with your life? Well, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of 50-year-olds that don't know what they want to do with their lives. And so I'm not putting pressure on you. I was, I was consulting with a pastor this morning, as a matter of fact. And he's getting ready to reboot. He's in his 60s. And he's, he's, he's positioning himself in the sweet spot. He knows the place where he should be. And he's about to take the risk. And he's going to do the thing that he was called to do. He's in his 60s. Did you hear that? All right. So you're a teenager, and you don't know what your purpose is in life yet. But do you sense that there is a higher calling on your life of living on this sublunary soil? 
the, the life is mundane, and you don't want to accept that as the only answer. You, you have a transcendent calling that transcends the mundane. If you don't know what it is, maybe we can help you to flesh it out. I would love to do that. I do have some ideas. By the way, I also have some articles linked inside this section along with the other seven. And I would appeal to you to click on these articles that are embedded here and read more, particularly under this section if you're trying to figure out what your life's trajectory should be. Perhaps you don't know what it is. But what you don't want to do is to keep fixating on how bad things are while never swiveling your gaze to that grander plan. Don't drown in negativity, pessimism, pessimism. You you don't want to be that problem-centered person. What may surprise you is how today's challenges and heartbreaks are the steps that will take you to where you want to go. Now, I'm not giving you one of those impassioned, (laughs) inspirational speeches with a sales pitch attached to the end of it, like a used car salesman that you see on TV with a whole lot of white teeth, got his grill coming at you getting ready to slip you some kind of sales pitch. No, I'm I'm not telling you that when I give you this. It's kind of cliche speak. I know that today's challenges and heartbreaks are the steps that will take you where you want to go. I know what that could sound like, but I also know that it's true. When I look back on my jail time and a whole lot of other disappointments in my past, it is true. Those were the steps. Those, those, were, those were necessities. I needed those things in my life because I couldn't be doing what I'm doing today without all that heartbreak. I am telling you that if you want to contribute something of value to this world, there is only one way. You must crawl over mountains. And perhaps you're standing in front of a mountain of disappointment right now. How you react to it, it will set a pattern to all of your future ones. And there's going to be plenty more mountains. The title of the podcast is Seven Things That Will Bring Change to Any Angry Teen's Life. Number one, you are a victim. Number two, you are normal. Number three, your greatest need, humility. Number four, change your habits. Number five, change your friends. Number six, what do you want to do? And then number seven, you're like your parents. You're like your parents. That's my final thought. I put this one at the end. You're very much like your parents. I mentioned earlier that you're normal, I also talked about how everyone is a victim. I also mentioned that we're all fallen. When I'm using the word all in these statements, there's an all-inclusiveness to them, which means it includes you and your parents. You and your parents, you're a lot alike. You're like them. They are like you. The question is, how does that strike you? Do you feel superior to them? Some people do. Angry teenagers can quickly and easily feel superior to their parents. Perhaps you feel inferior to them. 
maybe they're doing some things that that just make you feel small, whether those things that they're doing are good and they're giants in your eyes or the things that they're doing are horrible. They're abusing you and they have shrunken your soul down and you feel inferior not just to them but to everyone. Do you see them as different from you? I hope not. I really don't. Or I really do hope not. (laughs) Now, you are different in personality. That's different. You're different in habits. You have different habits. You're different in preferences. You like things they don't like. And I'm sure you can list a few other things. But you're also the same when it comes to brokenness, fallenness, and making mistakes. And and that is... That's, those are the things that I'm talking about when I say that you're like your parents. Perhaps you see their sin as worse than yours. Now, if you're thinking from a consequential perspective, you may have a case. I mean, maybe the consequences of their sins is worse than yours. I, I, I don't know. I know consequentially there can be differences, but I'm not talking about that. All sin is the same as far as any wrongdoing, big or small. All sin is the same, and it puts Christ on the cross. What you don't want to do is to parse out your crimes against the Holy One to the point where you feel superior to another depraved soul. You don't want to do that. I can make a case of how my dad was worse than me, but that is intellectual dishonesty. The truth is that we are the same. We're depraved souls. Any good qualities that you have, anything that maybe makes you better than your parents, it's because of the grace of God that is activated in your life, not because you're more special Then your parents, I'm talking about self-righteousness here, elevating yourself above another person. Self-righteousness is the sin that will dislodge God's power from your life. God helps the broken people, the bankrupt people, the busted people. God helps needy people. And if you have an elevated attitude looking down on your parents as though you are superior to your parents then you will dislodge God's power from your life. We're all in need of his favor, which is why we talk about the level ground at the cross. You and your parents are in the same boat. Perhaps the place you want to begin is here. Ask God to break your heart in another way. Break your heart for your parents. Perhaps your heart is broken because of what your parents have done to you. Ask God to break your heart for your parents. Once the hatred, the anger, the vitriol, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, once those things start to seep out of your soul, any soul, then you're on the way to getting what you want. Seven things that Well, they bring change to any teenager's life. But as you've listened to this and you're not a teenager, you're thinking, this could change my life too. And so I just want to reiterate, you are a victim. You are normal. You have a greater need. You need to change your habits. You need to change your friends. You need to figure out what you want to be when you grow up. And you're just like your parents, standing on the level ground before the cross. If you want to talk to us about 
any of these ideas, I want you to come to us and I want you to talk. If you have something else that's on your mind, I want you to come to us and I want you to talk. We would love to serve. If you, if you believe, now you don't have to come to us. No, don't. But if you believe that we can help you and we can give you some kind of advice, then please come. We have free community forums. And maybe it's something else that you want to talk about. That would be fantastic. Now, I have resources here that you can access freely as well. I have questions here under each one of these. Victim, normal, humility, habits, friends, purpose, parents. And I have questions under each one of those seven things that I've shared with you. I would appeal to you to read those questions and to answer them. There's multiple questions under each one. And then talk with someone about those things. I also have a book. I have uh, three books as of this podcast. But the one that I want to point to is called Change Me, The Ultimate Life Handbook. And I would appeal to you to go to our store and get that book. It's almost 300 pages. It's a paperback book. You can order it from Amazon. They'll ship it right to your door. And and you get it and, and go through it. This is one of the primary training resources that we have in our mastermind program and is something that I recommend to others as well. And there have been many several groups that have actually taken that book and they've gone through it as a group of, of people. And if you haven't read it and you really want to hunker down into a, a deeper, broader, more satur- gospel-saturated resource with a ton of practicality, then perhaps that is the book for you. Go to our store and you can get it. You've been listening to Rick Thomas, the title of the podcast, Seven Things That Will Bring Change to Any Angry Teen's Life. Please share these with your friends and Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.